You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. I am so excited to welcome Pastor Mike Nank. He's one of the pastors on staff here at Paradox Church. Hey, Mike, are you out in the woods again this week? Thanks, Liz. No, I am not out in the woods, but I will be popping around to several different locations for this morning's message. But I thought we'd start right here on the stage at Paradox, where I can give you all a recap of where we're at so far in our relatively new series called Outside the Box. What we are doing together as a church is going through the book of Acts to see how the new church, the new emerging church at that time, uh, followed the example of Jesus when it came to doing life together. What I mean by that is, is Jesus, when he was here on earth, modeled a life of love, showing love to one, one another through his teaching, through his miracles, but, but more than anything, just how he treated everybody. And, and he invited people to come and see, come and see what love looks like, come and see what God looks like and how to act and treat each other. But once people understood that, once people understood the good news of what love was and that, and that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, as he said, he didn't, he didn't allow people to stay where they were. He challenged them from come and see to go and be. And we want to be a people that does that, like the early church we're going to read about through the book of Acts. We want to be a church that will go and be the people of God. We want to be a church that will go and be the good news to people. We want to be, we want to go and be the church. In week one, we learned that we have just one job, Dave told us, and that job was to go and be love and show God's love to people here on earth. Last week, we learned that we should just be ourselves. We learned that each and every one of us has a story that is powerful. We might not think it's great or anything like that, but it is. And telling our story and sharing our story with others is how we can go and be to people in that way. Today, we are going to learn about what it looks like to go and be family. Before we do that, I have two quick things I want to share with you. Number one, if you're a guest with us today, maybe this is the first time you've checked out Paradox Church, you've stumbled on our website, or maybe someone shared the link with you last week and you're here this week, welcome. We're so glad you're here. We'd love to know that. Uh, if you don't mind, if you're watching live right now and you want to throw in the comments, just a quick hello, uh, we'd love to shout out back to you. If you want a little bit more, you want to know a little bit more, more about Paradox, or if you'd like someone to reach out to you, there's a link that should be in the comments right about now. You can go and click on that link, and that will take you to what we call our Connect Card. And that's where, where you can put as much or little information as you want. You can ask all sorts of questions about our church and get connected that way. The other thing I wanted to uh, remind you all is that it's never been easier, never been easier to invite anyone to church. So go ahead, and if you would, share this link right now, this uh, this live stream right now, you can share that to your page and that'll send it out that way. Lastly, it's time to take our morning offering. And instead of me doing that, I'm going to turn you over to someone who can do a much better job of it than I can. So here's a message from Greg. Hey, Paradox. My name is Greg Meehan. I'm one of the pastors here and I also oversee some of the financial areas of our church. And so I wanted to give you a financial update. Um, obviously, there's so much happening right now and a lot of it is economic. And so I just want to give you a quick update on what's happening here at Paradox. Um, 
with us not having Sunday morning services and not being able to collect a morning offering, obviously that's not ideal for us. Um, it's not ideal for a lot of businesses right now. Um, one of the awesome parts about Paradox is we have some incredibly faithful and generous people. And a lot of those people are taking advantage of giving online. And so historically over 75% of our giving has been online and we're continuing to see that number stay steady during this time, which is really great news. Um, I also want to touch on something that we did a few months ago. So if you've been at Paradox for a few months, you know that we did a series called Dreams. And during this series, we said, what does it look like for us to exchange our dreams for God's dreams? What does it look like for us to look to God and to ask him how he wants to lead us into our future? And for us at Paradox, one of the things that we really want to do this year in 2020 is we want to become completely debt-free. One of our dreams is to move into 2021 with zero debt on our books. So when we first moved into the building, we had some incredibly generous donors who gave us uh, no interest loans. And we're on a payment schedule and we're maintaining those payments, paying those people back, but we would love to speed up those payments and have those completely paid off. So we said, as a church, if we can raise $50,000 by the end of 2020, we'll be able to pay off those loans entirely and be debt-free rolling into 2021. So we cast this vision. Uh, it was on a Sunday morning. It was, it was daylight savings, actually, that day, uh, March 7th, I believe it was. And uh, two days later, we got news from the governor that we were likely not gonna be able to have services at Paradox anymore on Sunday mornings. So we, as a leadership team, were so excited to lay this out in front of our people. And then, of course, uh, things changed. So here's what we believe. One, God's not surprised by this. We believe that God is faithful and he's gonna to continue to be faithful to us during this time. Um, and here's what's also true at Paradox is we have some amazingly generous people. So in just the, not even two months since we laid out this, this Dreams campaign to raise $50,000 this year, we've seen over $9,000 donated towards this campaign without actually meeting on a Sunday morning. So this has been all donations online through our website, which is pretty incredible. So I just want to bring this up to you guys again as a church. This is something that we're still trying to get after this year. This is still one of our goals. Nothing has changed there. We do believe that God's going to be faithful. We're seeing that happen right now. Um, so if this is something that you committed to doing and you want to continue that commitment, you can do so online. We're going to send you an email right now, the entire church body, an email with some very simple instructions on how you can do that. Um, but we would love for you to join us. If you haven't heard about this or you, you haven't committed to, to give a dollar amount, we want to encourage you to ask God, what would God have you do during this season right now? Um, this is a crazy time. There's so much happening right now. Uh, for me and my wife, this is just total transparency here. Um, this has been super difficult for us for so many different reasons, trying to work and homeschool and all these different things. Um, but financially, my wife and I are still making what we were pre-COVID-19. And so recently we received a $3,900 check from the government since we have three children, the stimulus check. And that's over and above kind of what we expected to bring in. And so what we're doing personally is we're going to God and saying, God, how would you have us spend this money? And so maybe that's something for you that maybe you need to do as well. Maybe you need to ask God, God, with this surplus, with this extra money, is this something that maybe you would have me uh, join Paradox in the Dreams campaign with? And if he says no, it's awesome. It's up to him. It's not up to us. Um, but we think that maybe you should ask him that. Maybe you should ask him, what would he have you do? 
And if you're sitting there right now going, gosh, this just isn't me, I'm struggling, I lost my job, I'm not making as much money, I'm struggling to put food on the table, uh, the reality is this probably isn't for you. And God's probably not asking you to contribute to that, and that's okay. Furthermore, we actually have a fund here at Paradox designated for those types of circumstances. So we want to give back to our people. We want to serve our people and love our people when they need it the most. And so if that is you, maybe what you need to do is check out this email and figure out how you can get in touch with us and allow us to just serve you during this time. We've already had a few people generously give money for that specific reason. Recently, just last week, I got an email from somebody. He said, hey, I got my stimulus check and I want to give some of it to a family in need at Paradox. So we have money earmarked for this exact reason. So if that's you, I'd encourage you to reach out and ask for help. There's no shame right now. Um, and if you want to join us in the dreams and continue to help us raise this $50,000 over the course of this year, that would be incredible. We would be so thankful. Uh, we believe that God's going to come through. He's going to be faithful to the end on this. We're already seeing that happen. Um, so I just want to give you that quick update, let you know that things here at Paradox are still rolling along. Um, and we're just so thankful for an amazingly generous church. So thankful for all of you. And I uh, hope you have an awesome Sunday. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Greg, for that update. Looking good, my man. Hey, at least one of us made it out to the woods for this morning's message. All right, here we go. We are going to talk about family. Now, I know when I say that word, for some of you, that brings about good thoughts of, of, of time with, with family past or maybe even right now. For some of you, though, that can be a, that can be a rough word. Maybe there's some dysfunction from your past or even now, some family issues that you're wrestling through. But for this talk, let's all focus together on, on the positive aspects and the reasons why family is such a great thing for us all to be after. So let's look at those. Like for one, families celebrate together, right? Birthdays, anniversaries, at your wedding, who are the people you sat closest usually to the table? It's family. On the flip side, family is also someone we can go to when time is tough or people who come to us when time is tough. Maybe you need, you need help with a project, or, or you need a loan, or maybe you're just, you're just feeling down and exhausted, or you need some help with your kids, right? Family is usually the first person, people that we go to. Likewise, family is also the people that we can be most vulnerable with and most real with, and, and people can come to us with their guards lowered, right? And not, not feel like they have to put on their their, their, their beautiful face and everything to come to us. Just be who they are. Family is, is the unit that should allow unconditional love for one another. Why? Just because they're family. For me, family brings up one particular thought, and that's the dinner table. So many of my memories of, of growing up as a family centered around the dinner table. For, for our little family at home, there were six of us, right? And we ate almost every meal around our little oval dinner table. And it was just us. It was a time to talk and connect. Now, honestly, on Friday nights, sometimes Cousin Bo and Cousin Luke Duke showed up during, during the meal. But most oftentimes, it was just us sitting around the table eating. I also remember going to my grandparents' house frequently, sitting around a table in their dining room. Small little dining room, like 12 or so of us jammed around this table, right? And the, the adults would just talk for what seemed like hours and hours. But they were laughing. They were connecting. Of course, us kids were looking across the table. Grandma had a mirror up, and we were doing what my dad called monkey shines, making faces and stuff in the mirror until he either bopped us on the head or moved us to a different seat. But, but anyway, it was a good time that, that we remember being together at the table. And I think there's a reason why coming to the table in family is so powerful. I think it's because it brings together two very important human needs. 
One is food, right? We all got to eat. And there's something very satisfying about eating. Also, we have a need, all of us, for a relationship. So to come together with people and eat and connect with each other relationally is such an important thing. But it's certainly not a new thing. This is something since the dawn of time. Certainly back in Jesus' age, gathering together for meals was extremely important, maybe more so than it is today. We see this in lots of Jesus' ministry work. Some, many of his most powerful, impactful times of ministry came around being at a table eating together with someone. Many of his miracles centered around, around meals, whether it was turning water into wine or feeding 5,000 with a small amount of food. And, and many of Jesus' teachings, he used food and a meal as an example and as an illustration for what it means to come together. We're going to look at several of those this morning together, and we are going to do that by starting in the book of Acts chapter 1. And I want you to key in, and I want you to listen to this, and listen to what Jesus says to his disciples. Not surprisingly, he says this to them around a meal. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. All right, so we see this challenge from Jesus to his disciples to reach people in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We're going to use that same pattern that he followed with them as we talk about how we can be family as a church. And, and we're going to start with Jerusalem and head out. So for Jerusalem for us, we're going, to, we're going to say is our immediate family, our households. So what will it look like for us to be church in an outside-the-box way in our own households? So with this pandemic right now, I know that a lot of things are turned upside down and chaotic. There's also been a lot of silver linings. And one of those for us as a family has been the return to the dinner table. So I'm sitting here at our dinner table in our kitchen, where for the past six weeks, we've probably had more home-cooked meals here than in the past six months combined. It's been truly awesome um, to be able to, to, to cook together, eat together, uh, enjoy time together at this table. Uh, it's just it's just been a really cool moment. And I would encourage us as families to, to really start here. How can we make the home and our in those relationships closest to us and our immediate families stronger during this time and then on to be on beyond as we as we head towards a new normal in this life? Maybe maybe the pattern set forth now can carry forward where dinners together can be a regular pattern and a part of our uh, witnessing discipleship, growth together as we grow closer as a family and closer to God together through these times. If you're a parent with young kids, maybe the dinner table can become a time where you reinforce the lessons that the kids learned in Journey, our kids program on Sunday. You can go to our website and find the Journey uh, tab under ministries and get all sorts of cool resources, just questions and things or games that you can play with the kids at the dinner table. For those of us that have teams, teens, uh, the challenge would be to engage in those conversations Draw them into more than answers just like, how was your day? Fine. Like, like let's have some real engaging conversations as families and, and ask each other 
questions. How's your day going? What are your challenges? Where have you seen God move in your life? Where would you like to see God work more in your life? Pray together around the table. So many cool opportunities that we have challenged by Jesus to do that and modeled by him. There were so many times when he he met with his disciples around a table and, and ate. I want to read this from Luke chapter 22 because this is, this is so cool. This is Jesus when he's about to sit down with the last meal that he'd have on earth with his disciples. And he said this. Um, sorry, I got it right here. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. E- I love that. Eagerly desired to eat this with you. Uh, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later. What did he mean by eat, eating this meal again um, later? We're going to talk about that at the end of this message. But I love the pattern that Jesus sets forth for us to to get regularly together with those closest to you and and share in a meal together. Like we said, food nourishment for our, our stomachs and relationship nourishment for our hearts and our minds. So that's what it looks like to witness to Jerusalem around a table. What might it look like to as a church to to witness to Judea. So we're going to go ahead and listen to this next passage, which comes from Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love the example we get from the early church People who ate together in each other's homes with glad and sincere hearts. We see this picture of a community that's growing, that's sharing together and growing together. I'm so blessed. We're so blessed to be a part of a community like that here at Paradox Church. The lifeblood of our church is the fact that we have strong, small groups, right? We're too big a church for everyone to get to know everyone on on an immediate family type of basis. So our small groups fit that bill perfectly. What a great place to get connected to a small group of people to do life with, right? But we want to be also part of a bigger extended family here at Paradox, where we can at least get to know each other on a first name basis, right? This this reminds me of one of the places we stopped on our trip last fall. April, the girls and I were so blessed to be able to go to California uh, for a family trip. We've been planning it for years. One of our stops was Hearst Castle, Without going into all the details, this guy, William Hurst, he was a newspaper publisher back in the 20s when newspapers were king. So he's rich and influential, and he and his wife had this very unique way that they would do dinner. First of all, all their guests who would come up there, whether you were a politician, a celebrity, or one of the newsies delivering his paper, would come to dinner and sit at this big lawn table that they had, that he had brought over from Transylvania or someplace. Anyway, they would sit at the table, and he and his wife would sit in the middle, and working their way out, he would start closest to him by the people he knew the least. All the way out to the ends where like Charlie Chaplin and Clark Gable were there, who apparently were there all the time. Anyway, what if we had that kind of mindset 
here at Paradox, where on a Sunday morning, our eyes were seeking out the people who we didn't know quite as well, people who we could get to know just a little bit better around a table like I'm sitting at right now in the cafe. With the ultimate end that all of us would, would also be connected to a, to a more immediate family in the small group while being part of this awesome extended family uh, here at Paradox. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, Mike, we can't meet people in the cafe right now. Um, well, we got you covered. So after service, I don't know if you've noticed, but we have had open virtual cafes, a place where you can go right after the service and, and, and do a, a Google Meets uh, on, on your phone or your computer and hang out with people a little bit after the service. And we're adding something new. This is so exciting. Be looking for this this week. If you go to paradoxchurch.com and go to our events page, you're going to see where we have populated these new things we are calling snack chats. Snack chats. It's simply, it's, it, it's simply a time to get together over uh, virtually over the internet and, and share a snack with someone. It's, a, it's about a 45-minute discussion led by a host. So there'll be someone who will have some questions and stuff to guide the discussion. But it's really super informal. It's just a chance to hang out with people, share a snack. You don't have to eat if you don't want to eat in front of people on the camera, but you can. So look for those coming. Again, look at the events page on our website for that. All right. So that is how we can be a family to our immediate church here. Jesus also asked us to be witnesses in Samaria. And to help us understand a little bit more what that means, please listen to the exchange that Jesus has with a woman. Listen to this from John chapter 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So we see in this passage between Jesus and this woman that there is some deep historical angst between these people, the Jews and the Samaritans. Without going into the full history of it, just know that they share common ancestry, and they're both worshiping God. But because they worship God in different ways, in different places, and some of the politics and past have, have slowly over time driven a rather big wedge, between these people, actually to the point where children of that day on either side were taught to hate the other ones, Jews and Samaritans. So for Jesus to meet with this woman and begin a conversation and talk to her is not appropriate in his day and age. But Jesus had a history and a pattern of doing this, whether it was pulling children in and talking to them or talking to women or talking to cripples, tax collectors, prostitutes, people who were marginalized in that society or, or seen as, as inappropriate to hang out with. Those are the people, the very people that Jesus sought out to have conversation with and to, and to share meals with. In Luke chapter 19, we read the account of a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, one of the most hated people in his day and age because while a Jew, he worked for the Romans, so he was seen as a traitor. And most tax collectors skimmed a little off the top for themselves, so they were seen as thieves. This guy was wanting so bad, Jesus was coming to his town, 
wanted to see Jesus. We hear he was a little bit shorter in stature, so he climbs a tree to see and hear Jesus. As Jesus walks by, knowing Zacchaeus, he looks up and sees him. And remember, Jesus, this was probably about lunchtime, Jesus could have gone and had lunch with anybody at that time, any of the, the mayor of that town, any of the religious leaders, anyone. If he would have asked them if he could come to lunch, they would have opened up the best for him at the table. He looks up in that tree at Zacchaeus, who everybody hates. He says, Zacchaeus, come on down. I want to come to your house for lunch today. Invites himself to his house. The people were blown away at that he would do this. And time and time again, they were surprised when he would do this. And I think that that brings a question for us. Who are our Samaritans? Who are the people in our lives that our society or our own personal biases and experience would tell us are either not appropriate for us to be hanging out with or going after or, frankly, not worth our time to do that either. I want to read to you from the book of Luke chapter 14. Listen to what Jesus says about inviting people to a meal. He says, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or sisters or your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Jesus is telling us that we need to have eyes and a heart like his that are seeking those who, who don't necessarily have the ability to, 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 to pay us back, not just financially, but like, like relationally, socially, people who, who society see as, 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 un, as unworthy, people who our own biases or society may tell us are not appropriate for. But those are the people who Jesus challenges us to go after, not forsaking Judea, not forsaking our church family, but looking to extend that family even more by inviting those people in. Think of it this way. Every person we, we read in scripture is made in God's image. So if there's people who look different than us or are different socioeconomic status or religion or, or, or politics, for us to be able to invite them into this family is inviting in a different aspect of who God is and a different a different aspect of him. I'm shooting this here in our lounge on purpose. This is where we, we host our welcome lunches. And I would challenge us to be thinking in such a way that we want to invite new and different people into this space and, and even into lunches in this space when we're able to come back together. During this time, we're, we're encouraged to social distance, to physically separate from each other, social distance. I would submit to you, we've been social distancing since the beginning of time. That, that man has social distance himself from those who are different than him, again, whose society or his biases tell him are not worth his time or are inappropriate. I would challenge us as a church and as a people to be family to them, to extend our family in that way and follow the model of what Jesus did. So we talked about how to witness to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Jesus also says we should go to the ends of the earth. To understand a little bit better what that looks like, we are going to look at and read from Acts chapter 10. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a big section. We're only going to read part of it, but so I want to set this up a little bit. Know that there's a Roman soldier named Cornelius. We read that he's a godly man, a God-fearing man who, who, who helps the poor and who does what's right, but, he, but he's what the, the day and age would call a Gentile or someone who's not in the Jewish family. And, but God still comes to him. God sends him a vision. And in this vision, he tells him, Cornelius, 
send somebody and go get this guy named Peter. This is the same Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. He says, go get Peter and invite him to come to your house. And in the meantime, we'll pick it up there. We see what happens when, when God also speaks to Peter. So listen to this from Acts chapter 10. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So Peter gets a vision from God on his rooftop. So I thought I would come up here to Paradox's rooftop for this part of the message as we talk about what it looks like to bring family to the ends of the earth. Well, honestly, from up here, I can barely see to the end of the street, let alone the end of Warren or the ends of the earth. But you get the point. We want to be able to take a broader view of what it looks like to be family. So let's take a closer look at the story we just read. So the key verse in there is when God says to Peter, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. You have to understand by context at this time that God has revealed himself through the Jewish people for the last hundreds and hundreds of years. And when Jesus comes, Jesus himself is born a Jew to a Jewish culture. He brings the good news that God with us, Emmanuel, to the Jewish people. And there were many at that time that thought that the good news of the gospel was for the Jewish people. So God, in this story, does an amazing thing, opens the floodgates, uses the centurion, a Gentile, and Peter to make the connection. By, by the centurion being, being obedient to God and calling out to Peter, and for Peter to go and go into his home, eat with him, and teach the good news of Jesus to this family was radical. But because he did, this family, their life changed. They came to know Jesus. They accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior that day, were baptized that day. Peter then went on back to the council in Jerusalem, the, the, the believers of the church that were starting, and shared this experience with them. It blew their minds. For them, some of them, it might have been hard to initially accept. But because of that, the, the gospel, the good news, was able to reach to the ends of the earth. Our legacy here today, I don't have Jewish heritage, so I only know Jesus because of what happened that day and how, and how the word, the good news, spread from there. Why is all this important to us? Because we need to very, be very careful to learn a lesson from that experience. We need to know that the good news that we have as Christians is not just for us. We have to be careful to not just think that it's for our immediate family, and we have to think of our extended family. Think of it this way. If you and I were foodies and we loved food and, and we ate good food all the time, and I decided to come to your house and, and share a pie I just baked. But along the way, I pass several people on the street who are hungry and clearly malnourished and need the food that I could have in my hand. And I look past them because my eyes are firmly set on you and getting to you and talking to you and eating with you. How wrong would that be? How evil would that be to not share that food with them or invite them into that as well? 
we, we stand the risk of that when we as Christians only hang out with the people who, are, who, who have a like-minded belief with us. Yeah, like I said before, small groups are great. Be in a small group. Connecting with people in the church, growing our community within our church and our families, absolutely important. But if we neglect the rest of the people out in the world, those who don't know Jesus yet, we are missing our chance to grow our family, to have a, a, a greater experience and to fulfill the, the command that Jesus gave us to do that, to go to the ends of the earth, to share the good news about him. There's so many different ways we can do that, but I wanna start by challenging you to start thinking about those people. Who are people who are already in, in your sphere, your, your, your mail carrier, your neighbor, uh, the person at the store? Uh, I, I know with this time of COVID, it's a little bit more difficult, but it'll get easier and easier to get connected with people and simply just invite them. You can invite them to this live stream. You can invite them uh, to start a, a virtual hangout with you, one of our virtual hangouts. There's so many different things you can do. We wanna give you one step that's simple and easy and could be a lot of fun. We have made a thousand of these door hangers. They simply invite people to find hope, help, and home through connections on our website. And they give a chance for you to put contact information. It could be yours, it could be Paradoxes, so that people can reach out and find a way, an invitation to the table to come join in our family. I don't know about you, but this gets me really, really excited. But the thing that gets me even more excited is this last verse that we're gonna read here together. Because while, we, while we're called and there's, there's beauty in building our family here, our church family here on earth, we get to look forward to a day when we're gonna sit down at a more amazing banquet than this. So take a look at and listen, I'm sorry, listen to these verses from the book of Revelation. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteousness of acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Isn't that imagery amazing? A great multitude so big that they sound like roaring water and peals of thunder as we praise God, entering together into a massive feast a banquet prepared to us by Jesus. In this imagery, he's the groom waiting and calling and ready to love his bride, which is the church, which is us, those of us who have accepted his invitation to join the family with him. They're together at an amazing meal so grand that we, we couldn't possibly see the either end of the table. So many of us, they're together in this amazing extended family. And while, and while I can't wait for that day, to, to, to be there and to experience and to see that. I'm equally as excited for what that could mean for us here now as a church in, in, in preparation for that. Because really what we're doing now is preparing for that day. So what would it look like if we as a church had stronger families, a commitment to our families to grow relationship? Maybe it's around dinner tables. Maybe that's a key part of it. Coming together in 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 family and growing our families and making Christ the center of our families. What would it look like if we as a church grew in community? Every single person who, who calls Paradox their home in a small group, 
a, a, a small, immediate spiritual family as part of a bigger family of Paradox Church. And, and we reflected the Acts 2 Church eating together, sharing what, another, what we have with one another, and growing every day as a church, just like the early church did. What would it look like if we were a church that broke down barriers, socioeconomic barriers, political barriers, racial barriers? What if we were more reflective of the church that we, or, or the, the family that we see in Revelation? Uh, another, another part in Revelation talking again about this great multitude describes it as people of every tribe and ton and nation. What if our church today was more reflective of what that's going to look like? The only way it's going to get there is if we go and seek out our Samaritans, those who, who society tells us are, are, we're not supposed to interact with, and we invite them into the family. And what if, what if we had hearts like God's that broke for people who don't know Jesus, who are starving and need the bread of life? And need what Jesus promised that woman at, at, the, at that well, a spring of living water that never goes dry. We can help bring that to people. We can help bring to fruition what we read in Luke chapter 13, verse 29. We read, people will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast of the kingdom of God. We get to be the ones to invite people to this feast that's prepared for them. I'm so excited about that, that we get to be part of, we get to go and be family and extend our family. As we close with this last song, I invite you to do one of three things. Number one, maybe, maybe today something's springing up in your heart. That's God speaking to you, right? There's nothing special that I said, right? That's what you've heard through his word. That's God speaking to you. And what he might be doing today is inviting you to the family, pulling back a chair at the table, for you. If you want to accept, if you want to come sit at the table or you just want to know more about what that's like, I invite you to click on the link that's, that's in the comments right now. Reach out to us so one of the pastors at Paradox can follow up with you, celebrate, or answer any questions you have about what that might look like. Maybe for some of you, you could use some prayer today. You really need someone to come alongside you and, 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 and pray with you and go to God with you. We have a team that is ready and willing to do that. If you text the word pray to the number that appears on your screen, one of our team members will reach out to you right now if you're watching us on the live stream or if you're watching this during the week, we will circle back to you within 24 hours and, and pray with you. For those of us who are already in the family, and are seated at the table ready for the meal. Let's go ahead and, and, and eat together during this last song. By that I just mean let's just praise God for, for who he is. And as this song says that he has overcome, Jesus overcame death in the grave. He made a way, he, he, he set the table for us to come and be in relationship with him. So let's accept that invitation right now as we praise together and let's come have a seat at the table as one big happy family. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.